Hello and welcome to Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's World Cup special podcast series. Throughout the World Cup, we're going to be bringing you guests talking about the World Cup, the matches that they've seen. We're going to be chatting to coaches. We're going to be chatting to players at a grassroots level to see how inspired they're feeling about all the World Cup events. It's all going to be right here on Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's special World Cup podcast series. We're heading into the second weekend of action on the Rugby World Cup. So, who better to speak to than former England rugby player Vicky McQueen to give us an insight into what the players are thinking and feeling. We're also going to be chatting about her current role of Head of Women's Rugby at Leicester Tigers. Eamon sits down to chat with a grassroots player at Lincoln Rugby Club to see how she's feeling about the World Cup and how it's going to drive action, recruitment and retention at her rugby club. So, let's get into it. Uh, good morning, Vicky. Uh, thank you for joining morning, us. Yeah. How are you? No problem at all. Thank you. No, I'm good. Thank you very much. No, all the better for being uh, here talking to you. Awesome. Um, quick question, obviously, because we're both UK based. How are you watching the games? Are you getting up at the crack of silly o'clock? Are you going to bed, waking up? Are you doing an all nighter? Are you watching them on catch up? How's it working for you? So pretty much, yeah, live when I catch. So I, I am trying to manage my energy levels. But um, yeah, definitely for the Red Roses, I was up and uh, alarm set and up. Um, obviously watch the Scotland Wales as well. The others I'm trying to, it's record and then I'm just trying to catch up. But yeah, 100% um, making sure I see at least the highlights if I don't see the full game. So no, it's just super exciting to, to finally be here, isn't it? And, and being able to watch it. It's amazing. And what is it? What does it feel like? I guess because we we both work in women's rugby. What does it feel like from your perspective, knowing that pretty soon it's going to be a home World Cup? How does that How does that feel watching it now in New Zealand? Yeah, it feels really exciting. I mean, I, I'm you know can't wait for that. You know, 2025 without wanting to wish time away. Um, but but yes, it's super. It's starting to bring it to, to to real life now. I suppose obviously they had there was a year delay from COVID, so it's nice to see it in action. It's nice to see you know, the where, where it's at in terms of spectators and, you know, really pulling in the crowds, which is amazing. So, yeah, it's only going to gather more momentum working towards 2025. So, yeah, it's just exciting to see it, see it in, in real life. It just feels like um, the girls have been waiting for so long for this. So, um, so no, it's just great to see it in action. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty exciting. And then just sort of reflection on the, the action. Has there been any, like, standout moments in the matches for you or or any early trends you've noticed in the way teams are trying to play? I just think it's, it's it's a brilliant level of rugby, to be honest. I think that, you know, the the tempo of the game, the intensity the the, the girls are playing at, you know, the, the intent that they've got to to play. It's not all a kicking game. It's, it's very much a, a playing rugby, you know, between the between the touchlines. And, you know, I think there's loads and loads of, you know, so many phases they're stringing together. It, the, the level and the intensity and the, and the overall game is just so much higher than it ever has been before. So it's really exciting. It's so attritional. There's so much, you know, physical contact, you know, the really, really the, the power of those um, collisions are massive. So I think, yeah, it's just on the, on the cross the board. It's brilliant. Obviously, you know, with a bit of an interest in the Red Roses, you know, their performance, you know, with a bit of a, a nervy start, which was always going to happen with the World Cup um, and Fiji can't take anything away from them. They were, they were fantastic. And we knew, we knew they'd throw the kitchen sink at us as well. So no, just seeing that their performance and how they managed that picture in front of them and they managed to, to um, change their game to, to suit and, and make sure they come away with a big win still. I, I was really impressed. Um, Abby Dow coming back from that injury and scoring a try was, it was a really nice moment. Um, but yeah, just, just loads of positives. I thought, you know, I think the, the forwards just look like such a, 
close-knit unit um they're just a driving machine and i think you know if they can give good ball to the backs this tournament i, I can't see anyone beating them i really can't my heart rate shot up every time anybody talks about us being the favorites my my blood pressure goes through the roof it really <laughs> does what just from your your insight as as a player what do you think the Red Roses and anybody at the World Cup, what do you what do you think the players are, are thinking and, and how are they feeling at the moment? Yeah, I mean, they'll be pretty pretty relaxed now, relaxed in terms of into the camp. So, you know, first when you arrive and you try to acclimatise and you're getting over the jet lag and those sorts of things. I remember those from, actually from New Zealand tour, you know, remembering that, that takes a few days. But then you kind of settle into the groove, you know, obviously you have your World Cup ceremony and, and that all starts to <clears throat> bring it to life. So I think, you know, relaxed in terms of the environment they'll be in now. They've been there a week or so, so they feel, feel relaxed. But in terms of, their mindsets it'll all just be on the on the game so you know it'll be game mission you know get that game done but tick that box get to train and do the next thing and it and it you know people want it to be really really you know highly emotive and it, it you know it is in parts but actually it's a job they've got to do so you know they are just in that mode of you know like a training camp it's you know they eat they sleep they rest they get a bit of social time hopefully try and chill out but the environment particularly around the red roses is just so so nice that actually it's just it's like a bit extended family so they are just literally having their downtime with their mates their family then getting back to work again and and i think simon middleton's created a really a really great machine just around the culture and environment he's been in there for what so he was in he was in 2014 wasn't he in a, in a assistant role so he's been there for six years and you can see he's really put his stamp on what he, how he wants it to look and how he wants it to feel. And, you know, the environment seems to, well, it's producing the results. So I suppose that speaks for itself. It is. And then obviously we can use that to kind of now springboard into just a little bit of a chat about your role at Leicester Tigers. Obviously you're creating that women's team, creating the coaching staff and putting your stamp on it. Um, obviously you've had an amazing start. For those that don't know, you're, you're you know, pretty fantastic score at Worcester um which has been brilliant how do you go about if you're setting up a brand new team obviously using Litchfield as a as a pathway um which is fantastic how have you gone about putting a, a stamp on it and creating what, what's the vision so the vision yeah so the vision were you know all along was was that Leicester Tigers should have a women's team um you know back in the day when I was traveling to Saracens up and down the motorway <clears throat> it would have been very nice it wasn't it wasn't quite to be but essentially you know there's always been the vision for them to have one they just a little bit behind the the, the party on that but you know acknowledged that and, and made it made a difference made a change so brought me in um my vision was they needed a team but also that the whole um community rugby the whole grassroots everything needs to to get an, an input from tigers as well so for me it was about yes let's create this elite team at the top but let's not forget that before we can do that we need to have pathways in place we need to have a community vision we need to have um you know process for everybody to be able to play rugby at their level so it was very much right litchfield absolutely you know the, the team to go to i think you know They've been so top of the community game for so long. By their own acknowledgement, they aren't going to be a premiership side, you know, with the, the facilities and, the, you know, the way they, where they stand in, in their community. So they want to be top of the community game. Leicester Tigers want to be top of the elite game. So partner it together, you know, put everybody's, you know, everyone's steering the ship in the same direction. And actually let's create a pathway at Litchfield where we can have grassroots rugby. So um, girls coming in, as they do in other rugby clubs as well, around Leicester, Staffordshire and, and Norfolk, um, coming into rugby at a young age, then they've got that pathway. They can see it 
they can see the the elite level progressing so you can see the championship nc2 nc1 into championship into premiership and i think that's really important for young girls and boys to see that there is a pathway to their progression and you need to get those nuts and bolts in in the right place so coaching needs to be top class the culture environment needs to be good and all those things we've been working on you know it it's been a, a whirlwind of, of, of a year and a half, um, but now we, we are starting to see fruition of, of the hard work we've put in. So, you know, the results are coming for the Tigers, but also for Litchfield's first and second team. Also, we're in seeing a, an increase in grassroots rugby around Leicestershire and Staffordshire. So my vision was that, you know, how can we grow the women's game, really, I suppose, in a nutshell, and, and utilising that Tigers, you know, machine to, to do that and, and really get put women on the map in, in this area. And what, what effect, or are you seeing any effect at the moment? I know we're we're only sort of one week in. Are you seeing any effect on on the World Cup, on the increased sort of visibility for, for women and girls rugby? Is it having an effect on the ground level already? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it, uh, through Diddy Rugby, we're getting more inquiries potentially already, um, just from little girls, mums and dads. Um, so that's nice. Um, it, on you know, in terms of grassroots, yeah, we, we are getting more interest in in sort of our Litchfield pathway and our Tigers, you know, question us about how, how we can get into rugby. So yeah, I think you know, I wouldn't be able to put a figure on it, but I think there's a general feeling that there's there's more to come and more interest around around the World Cup. And of course, that will happen, you know, and especially if they uh, come back with a nice big trophy for us. I've put your heart rate up again, then haven't I? I know it's it's terrible. <laughs> Obviously, look, looking ahead to this weekend, the the big one from any Red Roses fan, but also as a general indicator of how this World Cup might go, is probably England France. What are what are your thoughts about that fixture? Yeah, I mean, they've just they've got to be the Roses will have to be absolutely on their game. You know, French the French bring a whole different whole different ball game at a World Cup. You know, they they can be awful in the previous rounds. They can be terrible at Six Nations and still really pull it together. And, and England know that. Um, but even at their best, England should 100%, you know, be be better. But it will be just about sticking to their process to be getting rid of the nerves. You know, hope, hopefully they're gone now because obviously there was a bit of a nervy start against Fiji, which I think you would expect for any team in a World Cup. And I think we've seen that from New Zealand as well and, and other teams. So I think now they're settled. As long as they stick to their processes, um, I think Simon Middleton's got some big selection headaches to, to get over. Um, I know how he, how he feels. I'm starting to realise that myself now with all the quality we've got at Leicester Tigers. But I think, yeah, he'll pick a side and that side will do a really good job. And, and that when I say a side, I mean the finishers as well. So whoever he picks it on the bench, I think for me at the moment, it, it almost you have a starting team, you have a finishing team, and I don't think you don't really have a starting team that is the best team. It's it's how it works for the team and the squad and the game that's in front of them. So I think with the French, they've just got to nail the defence. They've got to really make sure they're making a presence in defence. This line speed's got to be really, really good from the off. And then, you know, the French may then crumble a little bit under the pressure. So I think if they're strong defensively, strong in the set piece, um, England should come away with the victory. And, and I think their fitness will tell in the second half again, like it usually does. Awesome. And obviously you mentioned this, the stuff around selection um, and the start of selection processes, headaches that Simon Middleton's have. And obviously you're kind of creating that with increasing the quality at, at Leicester Tigers. Is for any kind of coaches out there listening, is there a, a process or a kind of a framework you create for selection? How do you go about making sure that you know you're you're making the best decision for your, yourself and your players? I think it's the, the most important thing in, in terms of selection and, and squads and building squads is getting to know players anyway, just really getting to know 
what makes them tick what you know what's their what's their go-to who do they you know who do they want to emulate who do they who do they relate best to and I think knowing that person and that player is the most important fundamental for me in the first place but then in terms of selection you know lots of things about um combinations you've got to make sure that your combinations are right and that's what pre you know pre-season games we've used a lot of that time to, to swap made loads of changes people are going what are you doing with all these changes but you've got to have a look at different combinations you've got to look at how people react in different ways um people have strengths and people have areas of improvement and not not everybody not anybody i would suggest is a complete player and there's always things they can improve on so i think you just got to look at when you're selecting you're looking at the 15 for me 15 first start started choice players on the pitch seven players that you can bring on or eight players in in, in premiership and and um and uh, international that you can bring on and really make a difference so i think you look at your opposition minimally for me you look at it you see who you've got and then for the rest of the time it's focusing on yourself how can you do the best job with the players you've got in front of you but you know for me players that work the hardest players that are prepared to put their body on the line players that are relentless in their in their work rate that's pretty much our mantra at, at Leicester Tigers and that's kind of my my philosophy you know you can have the best player in the world but if they're not prepared to get off their feet get off the floor get off the line make the next tackle then you know, you can put in a player that's perhaps not quite as talented that will do that work. So, yeah, work rate's high on my agenda, definitely. Awesome. And I just sort of two more questions, really, both kind of linked. If you could have one word only to kind of summarise your time coaching at Leicester Tigers and the experience, what what one word or two words would, would it be? Awesome and intense. Nice. And then what do you think this, the sort of one word or two word, do you think the, the let's look ahead, the, the 2025 World Cup, if you could sum the possibilities or what you think it might be in one or two words, what are you thinking about? Uh, oh Yeah, just, just unbelievable for the game. Um, it will create a legacy and it will push us, that's more than two words, sorry. It will push us on to the next thing. So yeah, it's, it's going to be really special. And by that point, I believe we'll be, We'll be rocking the the Twickenham to, to fall to the brim by then. Um, so yeah, it's just really exciting. Awesome, and surely by twenty twenty five, Welford Roads will be uh, will be full for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the plan. You know, we, we've we've managed to pull in a thousand at the at the first one. So you know, without without too much um, really going out there about it. So we're really confident. You know, the girls are winning. The fans are really loyal. Um, they'd like to see a new dimension of, um, of women's rugby um, and I think it's something they've never experienced in, in this area so for us yeah it's just going from strength to strength and we, we'd love to see uh, Mattioli Woods Welford Road filling quite quickly for the women's game. Awesome thank you so much Vicky. No problem Jess nice to see you. You are listening to a womensrugbycoaching.com podcast. If you want to find out more about only magazine written for women coaches and anyone coaching women's rugby then go over to womensrugbycoaching.com now back to the podcast um hello jody hill from lincoln rugby club how are you hello good thank you how are you? yeah very very well so um declaration of interest jody is one of the female players at my rugby club and jody's been invited by myself and jess to have a little conversation about uh not just a, a playing experience, but also being a female involved in the amateur grassroots rugby game. Jodie, when did you first start playing rugby? Uh, I started playing rugby in 2018. 
Um, so I think I'm into my fifth season now, if I'm correct, it might be my fourth, but also sort of merges into one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to... I used to play netball um, and my partner plays rugby um, and he just decided, Do you know what, let's let's drag you down to the rugby club and see how it goes. Um, my brothers used to play rugby, um, so I, I always had a bit of an interest in it, um, but never saw myself playing. Um, but I went to Lincoln Rugby Club, trained once and I've never looked back since. Right. It, it, I suppose it, it's the most, most partners, you know, they, they, they get involved with playing. Like my wife started playing when she met me. And she played for a little bit at Nottingham Casuals a few years back. So that's how a lot of people get involved in it. But it's interesting to hear you say. Um, so you've, have you ever been coached by a female coach? Yes. Oh, when I um, we had our main coach and we also had um, a female coach who sort of assisted. Um, I think she was there for part of my first season um, and then didn't coach us after that. Um yeah, she has been back a couple of times to um, to coach, but nothing um, sort of frequent. Right. So very female coach, yeah. Right, so you're, so you're pretty much predominantly coached by men. I, obviously, I know Brian, Yorkshire's greatest Yorkshireman, as he'll tell you himself if you ask him. Uh, no, he doesn't. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've got George Reed, who is from Spalding. And um, what's it like being coached by male coaches? I know that's, that's a strange question because obviously in netball you probably would have had predominantly female coaches would I be right in saying that very true yes yeah. so personally I've never had a bad experience of male coaches myself um obviously I've only been coached female very briefly so I, I don't really know any different um the, I think the main thing for females is to appreciate that it must be completely different for males coaching females than it is for a male coaching a male um there's loads of different things to consider with females and I think one of the main things that I've picked up from Brian and George um is that you need a lot of patience with us um it, we might not pick things up very quickly uh, it might take five five times to tell us the same thing or five different different ways of telling us the same thing and it can be frustrating working with um, a group of women trying to get them to do something. The difficulty, um, sorry Jory, go ahead, I interrupted you, sorry, go ahead. It's all right, don't worry. No, what it was, was I was, it, it should explain to the audience that Brian is a former semi-pro rugby league winger and George Reid was a development officer for Ulster and is a former guardsman in the army. So, they, they've been involved in rugby culture their whole lives and it's it, it's it's a difficult one of the hardest things for new players when they're young is that they always tell you don't use terminology don't use funny buzzwords or anything because the, the kids won't get it and I guess the same is with you guys you know you don't know what the buzzwords are you know there's no shortcuts we have to be pretty explicit about what we're saying you know we have to be you, this is what we want you to do and this is how we'd like you to do them and then we'll rehearse them and we'll play, play the activity. Do you ever put your hand up and say, I, I don't understand what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's, it, it, must, it must be difficult. I, it's, I haven't coached a women's team um, uh, since the early, since mid-noughties was the last time I coached a girls' team, uh, a women's team, sorry. And I... Um, so when I came and coached you guys on Tuesday as a guest coach, there was a lot of sort of thinking about what, what, I, what I would say and how I would say it. It does make you reassess the things you've learned in your game. And it's, it's the same, I guess, for females going into a male game. 
there is an, an empathy that you possess. Like a good example was we used, if you remember on Tuesday, we used some elastic bands to, to make yourselves uncomfortable and to kind of pull you out of shape a little bit. And I said, put it under your armpits. And we couldn't decide whether it was better above the boobs or below the boobs. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, that, that, and yes, you can imagine, as a, as a middle-aged man with moobs myself, um, I, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of, a, what, what, what do I use, boobs? Do I use breasts? Do I, and I had to think <laughs> carefully about what I said. And then you guys said boobs, and I went, I'll just stick with them then. You know what I mean? So it's simple stuff like that. And it, once you get over the reticence of it all, it, 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 it was quite an enjoyable session. I quite enjoyed it. Um, how did you like the music, by the way? That was loved. I think it. I think it makes it a bit more um, like there's there's not so much pressure when there's some music because like you can just stand and have a bit of a dance for a second. Yeah. If you're in. So so I I should should declare again that I I um I brought a speaker and I played some dance music from the nineties um and just put it on in the background and any dead air that any uncomfort or if I was thinking about something it would be filled my music um. I'd probably do that every week. You know, I did it with the men's team when we were doing pre-season after COVID and just put the music on and just play it. And you were doing, if I remember the girls were doing sprints up and down the field, up and down the field. And, and I remember Shannon shouting across to me, turn the speaker around, we can't hear it. <laughs> so um, I take it you saw some of the games from last weekend. Um, anyone stick out for you? Apart from the obvious. <laughs> I did. Um, I watched the Fiji Union game and bits and bobs of the Wales Scotland game. Oh, um, we'll come to Wales Scotland in a minute. <laughs> so, how, so what, what? What did you think of the England game then? Um, pretty impressive. Fourteen tries. Um, but I do think Fiji did give them a bit of a game in the first fifteen minutes. Um, so they didn't sort of go in um, lightly on them. Obviously, scoring their three tries, um, making space in the field really. Um, obviously, really good to see Abby Dow back playing and scoring a really good try. Um, yeah. Obviously, nice, nice to see people back on the park. Um, and um, Maud Muir, uh, the prop, stuck, stuck oh, yeah. out quite a bit to me. Um, I think she was really solid when she came on and um, set up a few tries. And I find that props don't really get as much praise as the bats because they set up the tries and don't actually score the tries. Um and also, I think I think it was nice to um, nice to see her on the park and just just solid performance from her as she stood out to me. Uh, yeah. So the um, the piano pushers and piano players is the old version of forwards and backs. Um, yeah. You'll have spread joy, most of the anger in the world. But the great thing about being a prop is, is that you know that um, the backs know that too. And yeah. when it comes to any team I've ever coached it's very, very clear who runs the team. <laughs> so, <laughs> who runs the team? I'm sitting here and that's the end of it. Oh, okay, you're sitting there then. That's fine. Um, yeah, the England were impressive. Um, it wasn't their um, stellar starting superstar 15. And yet they did play very, very well, I thought. Um, they produced... Abby Dow was a lovely story, um, considering yeah. her injury. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, good start. Good start. So you've mentioned a few people. Um oh. Any doubts about England winning it now, based on the other games you might have seen or heard of, or any doubts? I think with England putting 84 points on Fiji um, and the others only scoring sort of highest being 41, I think we might have a good run in. Um, I think we will be put under pressure, though, um, especially sort of with some of the the COVID cases that are coming up in the England um, ladies and not being able to start with our strongest pack. Um, I think if there are any other cases of illnesses, we might um, 
we might struggle a tiny bit, but I think we've started on a strong performance. So fingers crossed it carries on in that in that direction. Right. So I, I take it your partner, who's Scottish, um, didn't yeah. watch the Wales Scotland game, or he or he says he didn't watch it. <laughs> Did he watch it? He says he didn't. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my initial thought was I was watching it and I meant. There's going to be a lot of yellow cars dished out here to Wales. And I just thought to myself, what's the old adage? Play to the ref. If the ref isn't giving out yellow cards, then keep going. And that's the yeah. thing. Scotland scored eventually. Um, mm. But that's not to take anything away from Wales. They started well, had to go 20 phases before they got that penalty to win the game. Um, super kick by the young lass. And I thought, mm-hmm. ah, that was it. That, that was probably my tensest game, obviously, being what was stressful. Yeah. Um, the game of the weekend for me was the black... Blackfern's Wallaroos. Um, but no, overall, I thought, very interesting start. A lot of talking yeah. points. A lot of great social media attention that's bringing on the game. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get some get some new recruits up the club. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think the most irritating thing about it is the times of the games. Um, as we discussed before, like, it's just, it's just a bit of a pain and it's not encouraging people to watch it. But the social media presence is really, really good. So, yeah. Hopefully that's encouraging people to go back and actually watch highlights and things like that. So um, at least we're seeing some of the women's game at a decent time in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. No, that's good. That's good. We've actually just come from from listening to your interview that you had with Jodie, and she was chatting about um, her thoughts about last weekend's fixtures. What are your thoughts about this weekend's fixtures? Because there's, there's some tasty matches coming up. I don't know if you want me to run through them for you. But no, no. Got... I've, I mean, I, I well, I I think England need a challenge, and I need nothing focuses the English like the French, um, and I just like nothing features focuses the Welsh like the English. Um, but so the French and the, so the La Crunch, um, the overseas edition, yeah. is uh, is the big game. That's that's the game. It's the one that every other side in the tournament will be watching. Um, I, f- I feel like this is now a test of how the rest of the tournament is going to go towards the latter stages. You know, yeah. um, the, this is the test, and and we are excitingly we're hosting a, a watch party for the women and girls section at the clubhouse down at Huddersfield. Which Fantastic. is great because if you're looking at the fixtures, obviously the times aren't great, but this is the one that kicks off at eight o'clock um, in the UK. So this was kind of the one. It was like, well, it's it, it's this, or it's nothing. Um, yeah. You know, are you still in breakfast or? Yeah, so we're looking at that. We're looking to see if the chef is in because he's in later on the day for the senior men's uh, fixtures. So looking to see if he's able to come down. Um, we, we have got a member of the women's team who actually works for the bar staff and she was going to open ah. up for us. But that mean, meant just she couldn't watch all the games and stuff because she'd be working. But fortunately, they've managed to find a, a staff member that isn't a member of the women's team to come down and, and do an early shift, which is which is fantastic. Because obviously, Great. early kickoff times, clubhouse logistics, you're not normally opening up your clubhouse at, at 7.30 yeah. or 8 in the morning. So... The support there. I, I, I don't get right. wrong. I understand. I understand completely why World Rugby wanted three fixtures on the same day. Hmm. I don't necessarily think it's worked because although it's allowed the crowd and the stadium to fill up and sell all the seats, what's happening is they're watching their own team and leaving. 
And so for a sellout crowd at Eden Park last week, there was a lot of empty seats for the new for the Black Ferns game, which is a shame. But I completely understand why. You know, I do understand why. So I'm not going to be hypercritical. I think the timing thing, that if you're going to have three games in the same day, the timing, having the games yeah. kick up in a UK time is almost impossible. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it's really easy to criticise whatever way they'd have decided. There's always got to be some some compromise. And I think having a social media presence now with TikTok sponsoring the Women's Six Nations, yeah, it yeah. kind of pushed everybody to up their social media game. So the social yeah. media content has been great. The only issue we've had, or I seem to have had being UK-based, is not all of the content released from World Rugby has been viewable in my location. I don't oh, know I if because yeah, of it's the TV licensing stuff, yeah. but... Yeah somewhere a conversation needs to happen at the higher ups to make sure that this content is viewable to everybody no matter where you are because not just I want to watch it but I want to be able to send those videos to my players to watch because yeah. they not might not be able to watch the games so their only way of watching it is is through the clips that get sent to them so this, this is a small little plea on this pod let's make these clips watchable in every location it's 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 again it's representation it's not just I mean, forget about gender for a second. It's it's about having coaches in the room, yeah. having players in the room, and saying, "Well, what do you mean you're not going to release it? These clips. I mean, I'm a like for instance, if you're a if you're a Welsh player or a Scottish player, and you want to see a social media clip in New Zealand, you want to say, "Hey, mom, look at this," or "Hey, dad, look at this," or "Hey, guys at the club, you want to see this?" And they can't see it. Yeah. And it, it's just simple stuff like that. And I think having players and coaches and, and representation in the room. Um, is that is vitally important? Yeah. And I, yeah, it's it. I, I saw you pointed that out in the week, and I'm like, that's weird. That is weird. Yeah, and I, and I wasn't the one that noticed the problem either. A couple of people were noticing it, and I was like, oh, hang on a minute here. This this directly impacts how my players access the the world. Yeah. Um, and and to one extent, it's a wonderful problem to have because so many people are interested in viewing the content. Yeah. Um, and and so it, I'd rather have that problem than there either be no content or people aren't interested in watching the content. So it's in one to to see many people going, I can't view this content, I can't view that. It's great because it means people are hungry for women's rugby and hungry for this World Cup, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's a great problem, but as the tournament progresses, I I, I wish the, for that problem to to no longer yeah. exist. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Jess. It's an on goal because it's not like they haven't had world rugby tournaments in the Southern Hemisphere before. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an own goal. And it's it's okay. The, the thing, it might get solved now, now that we've mentioned it, because yeah. obviously us being power influencers. Oh, yeah. You know, world uh, rugby. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, I, have, I have world rugby. I'm on world rugby speed dial. Speed dial. You know? <laughs> like the red, red bat from the, the <laughs> Batman it. in the 60s. The red one, big red phone. Commissioner Gordon, here we go. I love that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, so the crunch. Massive game for USA as well. I don't. Yes. I mean, considering they started with twelve Premier Premier fifteen players, um, and one USA sevens player yeah. in their fifteen, and they, you don't know what's going on with regards to American rugby behind the scenes, and obviously they went bankrupt a couple of years ago. Um, and I think they're the team I thought would come out the back and go. Do you know what? They've got training time together. They're in camp together. They're going to travel together. They're now in camp for the first time, probably for three or four weeks. I think this is this team's going to explode, and they just didn't perform against Italy. And I, 
I just want to see them improve. I want to see what they do next. Because I, I, I don't think necessarily it was a shock that Italy beat them. Italy have been a really good side and they've grown and grown during the Six Nations. Um, I think I'd like to see them perform. You know, I, I appreciate their next games are going to be quite hard. Um, but it's, it's performance. It's about performance for them. You know, they have no realistic expectations to win the tournament. But all the American people want from the times I've been there is performance. Just yeah. stand up and perform. So that's that's the game. That's the other game we're looking forward to, the USA one. Well, I'm at, I'm what am I doing? After the I'm at the clubhouse. Um so I'm gonna try and watch these games before France versus England. I might end up only watching a little bit of Scotland versus Australia, um, because I need to be on on top form because after the France versus England game, I'm running an inner warrior session at the at the club. So but it but it's a great opportunity. I was like, well, we've already got them down there for the watch party. Let's yeah, yeah. Uh, let's have an inner warrior session, which is if for those that aren't linked to the RFU that are listening elsewhere, it's an RFU kind of uh, recruitment or women's rugby kind of drive process to get more people involved. So they're little taster sessions that you can run that give people a flavour of what rugby is like at your club and your environment. They're great for people coming in, but I also think they're great for like a little bit of a of a pause moment or like a little bit of a coming together or a fresher moment for players that are already existing. So it's a little bit different from rugby training. Not not that we, we're not equally as chaotic and, and energetic in our normal yeah, rugby yeah. training, yeah. but more of those games feature in the Inner Warriors. So we'll do some tug of war, we'll do Cones Connect 4, there'll be the pool noodles that get brought out for tag and it'll result to physical violence. I love a pool noodle. So and, uh, the Inner Warriors are great for me, not, not just for for players that you might be looking to recruit, but it's also an important tool for retention. Players get to come there. They don't have to worry so much about what they're learning. And there's not a big brain stretch moment yeah. for them like there is in, in regular sort of Tuesday training for us. It's a moment where they can relax, enjoy, have fun and, and form better connections with the people that they're training with. So I, I love them, but I've got to be on, on good form after France versus England. I can't be too tired or... I shall just completely overdose on caffeine. That might be the way I power through Saturday morning. Something that's really interesting. Um, so I'm literally just reading this by by Fiona Fee Thomas in the Telegraph. Okay. Literally coming out after the first weekend. Um, there's some really positive stuff around women's rugby and concussions. So oh, okay. yeah. um, one of World Rugby's top medics, and quoting it directly, is Dep- Deputy Chief Medical Officer Dr. Martin Rafferty. Um, says skills and techniques shown at Women's World Cup can help avoid head injuries that the men's game should learn from the women's game. And for anybody in the in the women's game, and it's cited here, where yeah. women and girls are at double risk of suffering brain, in, brain injury in contact sports. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. I think, purely because there, obviously there's some research going on at the moment, but I think they're more likely, and this is just off the top of my head, more likely to get it through whiplash and stuff like that, or hitting your head on the ground. Um yeah. But apparently, um, there is, although there's an increased risk, the World Rugby's Head Injury Assessment Concussion Protocol was used just once during the first six games of the Women's World Cup. Wow. So, I don't know how feel about that. I don't know and then I the, uh, there's a comparison stat. We can chat about this, about what type of, it might be a form of, of bias or blindness, or, but I'll come down. <laughs> It, so we used just once during the first six nations, first six games of the Women's World Cup, 
That's significantly lower, again, I'm directly quoting, than the seven HIAs that were recorded during the first six matches of the 2019 Men's World Cup. Oh, right. So, unfortunately, it's been, I'm saying this after it's already happened, but eight o'clock tonight, as we're recording, yeah. Trauma UK are doing a, um, a, um, a webinar, and my wife's attending that webinar because she's a medical expert, and she has great detail and detailed knowledge on head trauma because nice. she's a paramedic. Awesome. And so, so, so maybe you can have a chat with her at some point yeah. in the future. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, but no, that, that's really interesting. And I, yeah. I'd love to know what, what was the cause of that. I mean, in the men's game, they do have a doctor looking at a, an independent doctor yeah. now, looking at a screen and making sure that, and they say, get that player off. They do. So, uh, and if you remember last Saturday, it happened to Wasps, didn't it? A Wasp player, Stosa, he got hit in the yeah. air. Um, Thankfully, they took Jacob Omaga off, but also Stokes was ordered off by a doctor for a check. And that's what they should be doing in the women's. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see the now, background. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming, because I'm assuming looking at that, because we've got the, the World Rugby's Deputy Chief Medical Officer on there, I'm yeah. assuming that the same protocols, everything, the same coverage yeah. was in place yeah. for both. Um, and I don't know if it's just because women and girls rugby are starting to have that conversation about differences in concussion rates differences in yeah. in certain injury risks um there's discussions around acls and stuff like that within the yeah, yeah. Pu- yeah. i don't know if purely because we're we're more open to having a discussion about it and we recognize that stuff needs to be put in place that the conversations around coaching and tackle height is better because yeah. ultimately if you want to create change in tackle height and create a safer game that comes from coaching which has to come yeah. from education of your coaches. Um, you definitely, you need to talk to my wife. <laughs> she's, 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 she was screaming at me watching the, because she watches all the games with me. And she was watching the Wasps game the other night. And she was screaming, get that player off, get him off now, get him off. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's like they were listening to her because they took her off. But yeah, you're right. Just, just to make it clear, <clears throat> and this is not a new idea. So in, in 2016, I worked in America, as you know, Jess, and I, I was, I had a, the guy who ran the league was a guy called Stephen Lewis. Hello, Steve Lewis. And Steve, Steve is now the general manager of New York. But he, when he was in the pro rugby, he was in charge of the league. He instigated a policy where every shirt must have a line that runs below uh, nipple height. Let's, that is no easy way to say it, nipple height. It put a, a physical line on the shirt. I could, I, I decided it, I could see you getting into that quandary that you, the chat you had with Jody about. Oh my correct. gosh, suddenly what do I'm, I call I'm, it? I'm, I'm double thinking, I'm, I'm just double stressing myself. Um, but I've got a shirt here, and if I could turn the camera around, you could see it. There's a line on the shirt, and, and penalties were given if you hit above that line. And it, we were trained, to, we, we spent days training on it, we had to lower the tackle height and everything else. So it's not a new idea. Um, yeah. There was a whole league run with this line on the shirt. I like so the idea no of the line. It's not you no. know, and it's they're talking about it in Queensland, in the laws down there, uh, they're doing some transitional laws down there, and they're doing it, and they're always talking about it, but there are videos on YouTube, 12 videos on YouTube of teams playing with that line. You don't have to instigate new laws. Go and watch the old laws. You know, we did it. I was part of it six years ago, for God's sake. You know, these are not new ideas, but we just got to instigate them. And if we can lower the tackle height, um, it's not going to solve all problems. But, geez, you know, I mean, we've got to we, we just don't be, we just seem to be talking ourselves into a corner when the solutions have either been come up with or are being ignored. And that is the solution. That's one solution to lower the tackle height. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, I, I don't again, it's a, it's a whole pod. <laughs> I should have to get my wife on and, you know, I, I, I might take a picture of, of these shirts and I'll send it to you and maybe yeah. we can put it under. Yeah, under and we'll, we'll, we'll link it with the pod because it'd be great, be great to see. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's really interesting. I really like the idea about the, the line under the shirts. I just find it's a really interesting stat because if you compare men's and women's games, I don't know if it's just because we're not that the men's game aren't talking about concussion because they are, because it's, it's all over my social media, right? Social media feed. Everybody is talking about concussion. Um, But I I would love to, to know the difference in coaching style in a men's collision session versus coaching in a women's collision session to see what those differences are, because it's fairly early to make assumptions in the data because we've only had six games compared to seven games, men's and women's that they're, that they're looking at. But I think the, the Saracens experiment two years ago, when they had the little accelerometer taped to the side of their head. Do you remember that when the Saracens yeah. played the men's team? Um, well, having a doctorate, it takes about three to four years. We're now two and a half years past that. Yeah. So the results of that study should be coming out, I would suggest in the next year. That's going to be fascinating because it yeah. was it was in conjunction with Saracens. University of Hertfordshire seems to ring a bell. I don't know why, but um, maybe somebody from Saracens again, we're power brokers in the world of rugby. Um, if somebody's from Saracens to talk to us mm. and say which university mm. it was, again, it would be we're, lovely to find out. We're we're the speed dial people of uh, <laughs> many rugby clubs. Um, we're at the beating heart of the game, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Build our own ego. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Which makes me think about not just the environments of of the of the international teams that get the money, right? The New Zealands, the Englands, the the the, yeah. the French. It makes me think about every coaching environment of every team there because everybody has played a role in those stats, um, yeah. and that's extraordinary. To have created yeah. that kind of international environment where there's only one HIA, yeah, is it is it is extraordinary. If that trend continues, then that's massive. That's a massive I mean, pat on the back to those I mean, to those coaches, those environments. 